This is the JT and Looney Podcast. God damn it! Episode 12. Should we um, try to record for a minute to see if it sounds right or just go for it? Just go for it. Sounds fine. Okay. Um, great. Tipping is not a city in China. It's the proper <laughs> amount of money to leave or gratitude that you'd like to leave after a tremendous or inferior experience. Tom Looney, I've always been fascinated on what type of tip people should leave. Let's get into tipping. Let's do it. In the interest of journalistic integrity, even though I'm not a journalist and people question my integrity from time to time, I do come from the restaurant business. I not only worked as a waiter in the restaurant business, but early on moving to Hollywood, I made some money really early on in a, um, in a cold commercial, a cold medicine commercial, and ignorance is bliss. I went out for the audition, not realizing that the coup de grace, uh, the holy grail of any audition is getting a cold medicine audition or actually getting casted in a cold medicine commercial. Do you know why? I do not. Who gets a cold? Everyone. Everyone. It's not like Mercedes Benz, which is only on during the Masters, right? <laughs> Everybody gets a cold. It's on every channel. It runs constantly for, during cold season for six or seven months. I made so much money. And so as a waiter, I went from being a waiter to a very classic, from a waiter, uh, actor waiter, to a restaurant owner. An older friend opened up a, a coffee house. I didn't had I hadn't even ever been to a coffee house and working in the restaurant business didn't even know what markup was, but I did have money to uh to invest and we invested and everybody came. And it was a wild success and we had to move it to another location because it was so successful and bothering the neighbors. And so all this out of the clear blue sky, I learned what I was doing on the fly and became a restaurant guy. So I tend to tip quite well, even for mediocre service, but I had to give that disclaimer. I grew up the son of a conservative government accountant, as you know, and I always say this, and my dad was very successful. I would say middle to middle class, upper middle class, and my dad was the type of guy who crunched numbers. And right. whenever we would go out to dinner, which wasn't constantly when we were kids, but when we did, I remember my dad looking at the bill and looking at every single item on the bill. Ooh, that's looking at the amount of Coca-Cola's or the food yep. to make sure it was right. He would crunch those numbers. That's my brother. And then my, my dad would leave a tip at the end. And I was always fascinated because he would never tell me what the tip was. And, you know, when I went to college, I started getting into the bar scene, obviously, at college. <laughs> I know that's shocking to everyone. <laughs> and I remember that you would tip after each drink or every round, even though right. back in the 80s, it wasn't expensive to go to a bar and buy beer or buy drinks. And now I live in Las Vegas and Las Vegas, the entire city is based on tipping because of all the people in this industry, the servers, the chefs, the restaurant workers, the people in front and back of the house. And I live in a city where people understand the tipping philosophy, because if not, Tom, people wouldn't survive out here. There's a lot of people in Los Angeles where you are, Vegas, New York, all around the world who survive on the tips they make. And I don't believe that a lot of people understand the concept of tipping, the exact amount, the difference between good, bad, and great service. So we're going to get into it. Oh, in yeah. People don't know percents. That's one of the things. It's a, People do not know what, what percents, period. You ask, percents are really easy to do in your head, and I'm no math genius. But when it comes to percents, they're really easy to do in your head because they're, they're based on 
tens and zeros, but people don't know that. And so a lot of times that affects the tip. Another thing is companies and casinos and, and different restaurant chains and restaurants that are making a lot of money. Uh, they should be paying the people working in the restaurant more, but we, the citizens have to pick up our fellow citizens and tip them. And we got to make sure we tip them right because the rich people many times who are owning the restaurants and the casinos aren't paying the people working in there enough money, even a living wage. So we've got to pitch in. One of my boyhood friends that I grew up with in Massapequa had a great line when we were kids. He said, your tip starts at zero. It could go up or down from there. And I'd always laugh about that concept. And I think about it every day when I get a bill, what's the tip going to be? What type of service am I going to get with this experience? And I talked to a lot of people in preparation of this podcast, mostly guys who are in the industry, bartenders, uh, restaurant owners, right. people that work at golf course, valet. And most people believe, Tom, that 20% all in one is a fair uh, tip when you're dining out or when you're going for some type of experience around food. So the bill comes, it doesn't matter if you're at a diner, a high-end restaurant, mm -hmm. a medium-level restaurant. When the bill comes, you take the final number. The final number after taxes, whatever that number is, and you add 20%. So you just double that number. So if the number comes out to $140, you double the 14, which would be 28. Yep. Yep. And I've always thought for me, and especially recently, I usually get great experiences at restaurants and I usually tip 20% and go from there, but I don't go over 30%. Is that something you do? Oh, absolutely. I think it's uh, it really puts a smile on their face. Uh, and that's not why I do it. I do it because it's right to do. I even I, I many times will tip bad service 15 percent. I think what you said there, though, wasn't necessarily accurate over the years. It's always been based on and I didn't know this pre-tax bill. And when they give you not now, they calculate it for you in a lot of places and it'll show you 18 percent, 20 percent, 25 percent. And they do it based on the total before taxes. I think you're doing it the right way. You should do it on the total after taxes. But uh, you can also, it's not, it's not impolite to do it on the total before taxes as well. And 20% is usually almost always my number. And it, it subtracts from that. It never starts at zero with me. I would never stiff anybody because you never know also what somebody is going through. You never know if somebody had some. How about just leave my sentence at that? You never know what someone's going through. Our mutual friend, John Butler, who's in the fertility business and, you know, likes to go out and I travel with him from time mm -hmm. to time. He doesn't like when you get the bill and they calculate what 15, 18, 20% is. And we had a good conversation about that. Why are they doing that? It's because a lot of people are uncomfortable at times trying to figure out a tip. So they make exactly. it easy for you. They show you what you can do. Other people aren't great at math and right. they might struggle in a restaurant without their glasses on or in an experience like that. They don't want to be embarrassed in front of family and friends. I've been seeing that a lot more often when I go to even a coffee shop, which we'll get to in other places when they ring it up and they'll show me on that screen where I get to virtually use my finger and write my name on it, that they give me choices that are 15, 18, and 20%. I never see anything lower than 15. Oh, never. I never see really anything bigger than 20. 
No, you rarely do. A lot of times I've seen 18, 20 and 25. Now, a lot of times it really a lot of times they don't go down to 15 in Los Angeles. But 15 has been our cultural standard for a long time. And nobody's doing the wrong thing ever by tipping 15 percent. It has in polite society, I guess is the way to put it, creeped up to 20 percent. But there's still nothing wrong with that 15 percent number. The one thing you should never do ever, ever, the one thing that'll get you probably bad service, mentioning the tip beforehand, joking about the tip with the server. People who have that on their mind before they've even got a glass of water <laughs> are people who aren't going to leave a good tip anyway. So you probably won't get the best service because waiters and waitresses realize if somebody's thinking about the tip or joking about the tip before they've even got a drink, then that person's not a good tipper in the first place. Another good friend of mine who's a food and beverage president in Las Vegas told me, JT, 20% is for great service. If you get great service and you have a good meal and you're happy about everything, 20% is fair. 15% uh, is standard. And I said, that's interesting because from a big bill to a small bill, and there's a lot of big bills out here in Vegas, including bottle service and big drinks and all the experiences that come with it. He said, no, feel comfortable wherever you are in this country, that if you leave a 20% tip, everyone in that restaurant will be happy. There won't be a discussion. Oh God, yeah. No one will roll their eyes. No one will be upset. But here's where it gets good. And I asked him, what happens when you get a comp? Because back in Vegas, and you've seen all the movies, from Sinatra to Elvis, and oh, it used right. to happen all the time, in Vegas, you would get the comp. And my buddies and I would call it comp land. And when I moved to Vegas, and the first time I started coming in the, in the 80s, and I moved here in the mid-90s, everything seemed to be comped. We'd go to a bar, the first round was comped. We'd go to a dinner, it would be completely comped. We'd check into a casino for a room, it would be comped. We called it comp land. And he also told me, even if a meal is comped, you find out what the bill is. You ask for that bill. It was comped. You're not going to pay for it. And then once you see it, you still have to start at 20%. Absolutely. Most comps, you'd like to jump up right out of the gate of a comp to 25%. Oh, because of yes. what the comp means. Oh, you've saved yourself so much money by getting a comp. And that just doesn't happen in Vegas. That's just where you are. But that happens a lot of times in the restaurant business, especially if you know the owner or the manager. One of the perks managers get at a lot of restaurants is being able to give people free meals for whatever reason. That's the rule in a lot of restaurants. A lot of sit-down restaurants, not necessarily fast food joints, but no matter where, if you're going to get comped, you better leave a really generous tip because you've just saved yourself most likely hundreds of dollars. So a 30% tip is no big deal because you've saved yourself 100% of the meal. Part of the confusion also comes in America where people, we love alcohol in America. Every oh, commercial yeah. is for yes, Budweiser or for some type of we alcohol. Love alcohol we're on this show, be, yes. Yeah, we're used to be we're used to being served alcohol. And I've I've talked around town and to other people and I said, what's the proper tip just for alcohol? And what I mean by this, you go to a bar and it's crowded and you get up front and you're just gonna order two cocktails. That's it. You and your friend, your partner, your significant other are up at the bar and you order two drinks, you order a Tito's and soda and a rum and coke, say or you order a whiskey on the rocks and a glass of champagne. What should the tip be? I heard people say, 
everything from tipping a dollar or two a drink or to tip only 10% on alcohol. And others told me they tip 20%. So Tom, I'll throw it at you first. You go to a bar, you get to the front, you order a couple of beers and the beers come out to be $19 for the two. How much of a tip are you leaving? I'm probably leaving right to the first tip. You should always tip big because then they'll come back to you quicker. So that first tip would probably be four or five dollars for me because then they come back to you quicker. And then it's not insane to leave a buck or two for each for each drink you're getting, especially if you're going to be getting a lot of them that night. So uh, but the first tip is always the key. Another key to getting quick service is big shoulders. <laughs> so I've always I've always been so proud over the years at how quick I can squeeze my way into a busy bar and turn around and be back three minutes later with a with a few drinks. So that's another another insider tip for you. Uh, if you can get yourself some big shoulders, sometimes that gets you uh, that gets you seen faster. And one of the other things to remember, though, also. Bartender or bar etiquette, bar customer etiquette. Bartenders a lot of times don't drink and or they're not drinking as much as you are. They know who's next. So you don't do, need to do a lot of waving at bar at bartenders. It annoys them. They see who's next. They're really good at it. Good bartenders know who's next. So stop the waving. Yeah. Oh, my God. OMG. I'd like to apologize <laughs> to every bartender that's ever served me. I was that guy waving oh. the yo-yo guy over here, hands up, putting the peace sign, the fingers together right here. Oh, Come me to too, me. before I, I realized that rule. That. Yes. <laughs> Another interesting tidbit on this, as we're talking about tipping on the JT and Looney podcast, is cash or credit card. Uh, one of our oh. great bartender friends I talked to in town said, very interesting point. If you're going to ask the bartender at the end of the night or after an hour or two to ring you up, typically on a credit card, that takes time. That's not like cash. It takes a few extra minutes to run the credit card, to mm -hmm. find the credit card. And he told me that that spot there, usually if you're doing it with a credit card, then you tip 20%. But if you're doing it with cash, it's cheaper for bar patrons around the world because if you're tipping in cash per drink, per round all the time, you're going to save money by the end of the night, instead of just at the end of the night, tipping 20% on your entire bar tab. And we're not looking for people to go cheap on this podcast. We want people to tip the proper way, Tom. And I was interested in that topic, credit card or cash. If you're tipping cash all along or at the very end, it's easier on the bartender. You put that credit card down, you better be ready to give a bigger tip. And not only that, even if you put the credit card down, draw, draw a straight line through the tip, tip in cash. Because that way, it, the bartender can make a little more money that way. Sometimes they don't get paid right away that night by the restaurant or the bar, depending on where they work. It's always best to tip in cash, whether or not you're paying with a credit card. Oh, right, this, yeah. and also very important. And I don't know if you were going to go here, but we'll go there now. Also, try never to you try never, ever to say to a waiter or waitress separate checks uh, that's for teenagers unless you're a teenager and you're worried about you know how much you ate and how much jimmy ate and how much Susie and alfredo ate uh always just do the math yourselves when you if you have four or five people at a table whether it's at denny's or a fancy restaurant don't ask for separate checks it's it's a low-end thing to do.
This is not proper science. It's just opinions. So I talked to a restaurant owner in a prominent suburb of Las Vegas and specifically said, who are the best and who are the worst tippers? Oh, this is always Get ready for this. Yeah. So it began first with uh, what you were just mentioning. Uh, A friend told me women are the worst. And I go, what do you mean? He says, not individual women. If a husband and wife come in or a, a lady comes in, by herself, that's not the problem. When you put several women together at a table, he said, quote, they have no idea what they're doing. They do what you just said. They start throwing down six or seven credit cards and they don't tip well because sometimes, not the case with my wife and not the case with my mm-hmm. women friends, that women at times when they go out together in a group are all worried about the money. Now, some are very successful. Many are very successful. But again, this is not my opinion. This is an opinion that I received when I put this podcast together. And he told me that women at times have no idea in a group of how to tip properly. They just start giving away separate credit cards and the server is bound to get screwed. The separate credit card thing is is really annoying. If you're going to go out to dinner, you know, you're going with a group, stop by an ATM, bring yourself some cash so you can be less of a pain in the ass. You don't want three people, you know, because it, there's nothing wrong with people splitting bills and, and that's fine, but you, you can't all be pulling out your credit cards. It drives, it's just really inconvenient for the people who are working and have other tables to wait on too. Hey, in terms of who's a good and bad tipper, what else you got? Uh, doctors, the absolute worst. Wow. There's no group of people wow. worse than doctors. And I want to do a deep dive on this if we can. Why doctors? Because sometimes doctors are so out of touch with reality. They're so good at what they do. They work a 16, 18 hour day. They went to medical school for eight years. They're making money. They're not used to the social interaction at a restaurant where they understand what's around them. And they're not aware of how hard the server is working. I have no knowledge of anything. I talked to a couple of people on this and almost all of them told me the same thing. If you have a doctor, and you find out the conversation comes up, guaranteed doctors tip as badly as any profession when it comes to going out and going to a reputable establishment. Interesting. You know, yeah. sometimes, right, it's a, it's a real world problem sometimes because they just haven't spent enough time in it. Or a lot of times, you know, people who are, uh, you know, it's new money versus old money sometimes. Sometimes people who are newer money like A.C. Green and David Rivers. <laughs> of the Los Angeles Lakers, who I once waited on, on a 100-degree day in April. It never gets, it's never 100 degrees in April. But it was one of those odd, weird days at the Sidewalk Cafe in Venice Beach where I once worked. And it was fun because I got to wait on two Lakers. The downside, uh, they tipped like 10%. Because, they, you know, was, they were, they were, they were new money. They didn't come from money. And they didn't know what they were doing. And back then, especially, I don't think the NBA had any, you know, now, nowadays they put the guys through a lot of social studies as well. When they become, when they get new paychecks and they're going to be going out to restaurants, they give the guys more tutorials now than they did back then. Nobody gave David Rivers and AC Green a tipping tutorial, unfortunately, before they came into my restaurant. Hey, it's, uh, it's Tiger. Yeah, I wanted to jump into that too, because Tiger Woods, athletes at times are known 
from yeah. being bad tippers. Yeah, there's new no money. Athlete. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, There's no athlete with a worse reputation in tipping than Tiger Woods. He's on the Mount Rushmore of the worst tippers of all time. And this is known in Vegas. If you want to Google Tiger Woods tipping, go ahead and do it. We already did it. He's known for giving dollars to valets, uh, no money, little money when he was gambling back in the day at the blackjack table, known for going out for meals and not tipping well. And I don't know if that was a product of his youth when he grew up, the son of a green beret, Earl Woods, and they didn't seem to do anything other than golf. Right. And Tiger Woods came into all of this money. He came into millions and hundreds of millions of dollars. And I can tell you this, this isn't a wives tale. This isn't a rumor. This is fact. People say that Tiger Woods, especially in Vegas, where my expertise is, is the worst tipper ever to come through this town. And there are multiple people who say it every day. If that's the word, has he got any friends? Wouldn't a, didn't, wouldn't a friend want public relations wise? You'd pull me aside if that was my reputation and say, hey, you're getting a reputation here because I would be aghast if that was my reputation. Who wants a cheap reputation? That's one of the things that I always worried about. That I'm never going to have to worry about on my tombstone. But when I was younger, I just never wanted anyone to think I was cheap or wasn't. You know, we were both team players. You played rugby. I played football. We're team guys. You want to chip in and you want to not chip in at least how much you owe or if you're splitting bills, chip in a little more. Never be the douche who doesn't chip in enough you never want to be that guy according to creditcards.com topping the list of best tippers gays men republicans northeasterners and baby boomers and also anyone who tips with a credit or debit card thank you so much for doing that and thank for <laughs> thanks for google and that website but you're right let's right. let's stay on that because a lot of people i talked to said that young hot shots uh, millennials youngsters who want to prove themselves because they want to get out in front. They're going out to dinner for the first mm -hmm. time. They're 1920. They have their first job. They are very impressionable. It's one of the first times they're ever going on a trip outside the country, or they're going to Vegas or New York, Chicago, wherever it is, Nashville, great cities here. You're right about that. Young millennials and some hotshots are really good at tipping because they grew up with parents and they grew up with the generation in front of them that didn't tip well, Tom, and I'll jump in on the back end of that. I wanted to get to this. I think the elderly historically are terrible tippers. Right. I just yep. visited my mom and dad in Naples, Florida. And of course we went out to dinner every meal, right? We went out to lunch. We went out to happy hour. We went out to dinner. My mom's a great cook, but that's the lifestyle you live in retirement. And my dad would grab every bill because his son was visiting and he would tip well, but I would look around the restaurants and I would just shake my head to myself because I could not believe the way that the elderly and older people hammer away at servers, ask about the menu, remind oh, them, ask oh. them to take this back. It's not warm enough. It's cold. I don't like this. And at the end, they're tipping anywhere from five to 10% because they're on a budget and they're just not comfortable leaving 20% for anything. And a lot of times Europeans tend to have a, a, a bad reputation when it comes to tipping because ignorance they don't realize it's not included in the bill in europe your tip is included with the bill they add on 15 or 20 percent automatically and so sometimes if they're just getting into this country and they haven't learned that and this in this day and age of information there's no excuse but that tended to be a worry of servers over the years as well when people came from another country or culture where they were they assumed that 
uh, it was it was in the bill. Now I used to go out with some really close friends from England across the pond. Would you like a spot of tea? Would you and like I, a spot of tea? I used to I used to check. I used to try to check the tip in case I had to fix it before we left. Sometimes they would pick up the bill, but I'd still have to peek, and if I could, and see or go back and like think, pretend I left something back in the restaurant and go back. And even if he says, no, I've got the tip. Yeah, Cause I used to like to, it's always polite as well. If somebody, some of your friends are going to pick up the tab, say, let me get the tip, just volunteer to get the tip. And if they say no, then that's, that's okay. But if they say yes, that's a, that's a polite thing to do. A lot of, a lot of times you see that. And I would just find an excuse to run back in the restaurant to fix it. Even if I didn't know how much they gave, I'd go and throw another five or 10 on the table because I worried about that. One of the industries that got hammered the most in Las Vegas is valets. And it hurts because a lot of my friends started in the business in Vegas at valets and they made six figures. They yeah. made well over six figures being a valet at the Tropicana, the Flamingo, the Bellagio, the Venetian, the Palazzo, Wynn, Encore, the Stratosphere, wherever it is. Because back in the day in Vegas, you would pull your car up right to the front and you would drop it off and you could leave it there overnight. You could leave it there for a week. You'd come back and your car would be brought right to you. Now, recently, over the last 18 months to two years, Vegas instituted a couple of big casinos started yeah. charging for parking. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that's okay, because here's what happened, Tom. They needed a charge for parking in Vegas because too many people were living in their cars in hotel parking lots. Oh, wow. So they would take their car okay. to a parking lot and they'd live there for three or four nights. Or the other secret in Vegas is people would bring their car to the casino, leave the car for a week, go to the airport, pay $8 for a taxi back and forth, and then go get their car and drive out. Not the case anymore. Oh, and God. It's, it's hammered the valets because now they charge for valets. So you drop your car off if you're there for over an hour, the fee continues to go up and the people that get ripped off the most are the valets because you used to pick up your car and you peel off a 20, like you were a big shot. Or if you were there for an hour or two, you'd peel off a 10 and you'd feel really good about it. Now you get charged $19 or $33 and you just look for the change you have four or five bucks or maybe a five. And these valets are going oh, out of business God. because no one's tipping. Wow. That sucks. It it's, ama it's, it's amazing too. And that's not something that was taken away by technology. That was something that was taken away by cheap people. And that's too bad that they couldn't stay on top of the people living in their cars. But how do you police that? And the people who are doing the airport shenanigans, because you haven't got all day to try to catch people doing that. And that's what, you know, when, when tech, usually a lot of times when people, who used to make a lot of money doing something over the years, let's say developing film at, the, at John's film developing. And then iPhones came along and it changed everything. Uh, there's a lot of industries that just because of technology have disappeared. Uh, you know, nobody's selling buggy whips or buggies anymore because the car came along and those people used to make a fortune. And it's always, but in this particular case, it's a tragedy because it was just cheap people who took away a great living from valets. Yeah, and one other thing on valets, you live in Los Angeles, if you go to Taylor's, one of your favorite restaurants that you take yeah. me to, or you're staying overnight at a Hilton or a Hyatt, you're staying at a Hampton Inn and you, you get your car after you've been parked there for a few days and someone brings you your vehicle. They bring it to you from the garage or the valet because you're checking out of a hotel. 
I asked several people in the hotel industry, what's the proper tip? And they said per day, it would be $10 a day. Mm -hmm. So if you're staying there and you left your car for six or seven days at the high-end spots, if you're at a Four Seasons or a nice Marriott, wherever it is, a custom boutique hotel, you would tip $10 per day. A lot of people don't do that. They just tip a number, Tom Looney, at the end of the stay. So if you stay at Disneyland, for six or seven days with the rental car and they bring you your car at the end out of valet, you don't tip 10 bucks for six or seven days. You're supposed to tip accordingly. That's another reason why valets and people at the front of the house have been talking to me about tips going down because people don't understand the concept. Nice hotel, 20 a day, regular hotel, 10 a day, overnight, at least a five. If you're staying at a property and someone's bringing you your car. And there's no excuse not to know this. You've got podcasts, you've got Google. Uh, so if you don't know how much to tip a maid at a hotel where you've stayed three nights, it's so easy to find that out in 10 seconds with your phone that it's generally two to $3 per night, up to $5 per night. If it's a high end hotel, that's really easy to find out, especially for the maids working in the hotels they do an amazing job it's hard work it's work nobody else wants because those maids aren't from aren't local many times they're from guatemala and they've, uh, they've swam through a river to get to this country and work hard and clean up after you tip them i've been at fault to that whenever i travel on the road for sports or other events and i'm going to get better at it because of this podcast oh, oh, i have I think too yeah. yeah, there are individuals who leave a hotel and there are towels on the floor and the bed obviously is disheveled. And, and you're running out because you're late and hung over and you forget to tip the maid. I've done it. Guilty. You have to leave it. And, and again, I think the people who leave, leave change for the maid are so disrespectful. You oh, stayed God. in a hotel. You had a roof over your head. You got room service. You had safety. You were able to lock your door and sleep in peace and maybe watch HBO in a movie. And you take quarters out of your pocket and you leave it on the dresser bureau. And that's a tip. No, you peel out a five or a 10, Tom. What we're trying to do is figure out what is the minimum? What is the right amount of money? And I think what we've been talking about here is you at least have to think about it, A, and then be generous or you need to have a standard of peeling off $5 bills, peeling off $10 bills and peeling off 20s. If you get used to doing that, you won't forget to leave a maid a tip next time you're at a hotel. Now let's get to your pet peeve. I don't know if you wanted to jump to it, but we just sit down and talk. We do our homework for shows, just whether it's for real radio or the podcast. And a lot of times you and I just improv and spin a wheel and throw things at each other. Starbucks, a coffee house where they pour you a cup of coffee and hand it to you. And it's a dollar fifty or two fifty for your coffee or whatever you pay. How much should you tip at the coffee house, JT? I must have a good life because this is my <laughs> biggest pet peeve in life. I know. <laughs> yes, it's, someone called, is, it's, a, it's a skit on Saturday Night Live called White People Problems. Yes, this is one of your biggest. <laughs> if you're going to bring me a cup of warm brown water and I'm asking you for it and I'm saying, could I have a tall, a medium, a grande, right. whatever it is, and you're just you're just turning around and pouring it out of a machine and handing it to me, I am very conscious of that and I'm not going to tip much. I'm not going to say that I'm not going to tip, 
because of course that's an example where where I'll leave change. Right. The fact that's that okay. the, this is why this is why this is such a big topic because every co- coffee house you go to and every Starbucks has a tipping jar out front because they make money off tips and they know if you see the tip jar at the Starbucks or the Pete's, you're right. going to consciously say, I got to help fill that up and pay and help that young person get ahead in life. And I've been talking about this for years. I don't think that's a tremendous service. I think the quality of the coffee from Starbucks and Pete's and the plate coffee being at the corner is so tremendous. They overcharge us so much for a cup of brown water. And if I get my typical non-fat latte, my grande, and now it's over $3 and they're jacking me up to $3.40 and then they're throwing tax on it. And it literally took the barista two minutes to make it. And the person ringing me up just handed it to me. I'm light on that tip. I am not tipping a buck for my 345 grande latte that's already been marked up 400%. No way. I know. And customers are given the option to leave 50%, $1 or $2, according <laughs> according to Starbucks, by the way, according to the Starbucks newsroom, which I'm uh, reading off the uh, off the Google in front of me, even though it doesn't sound like I'm reading because I'm a broadcast professional. But I, I, I that's another one of those situations where 10 or 15 or 20 percent is also a little too embarrassing because that might be 10 cents or 15 cents or, or 20 cents. But like you said, if it's if it's 50 cents, that's probably fine, because if you just add that up customer after customer after customer, then they're going to do OK. But, you know, if, if if the general rule is even a flat 20 percent, that's 20 cents if it's a two dollar cup of coffee. So I don't think you can go wrong leaving your change in the jar. And if you get to know the person really well, you know, put a dollar in there and that's fine uh, once a week or whatever. If you go in a lot, uh, I, it's, I drink so much coffee. I make it at home. I'd go broke if I spent all my money outdoors on coffee. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I saw that on an Oprah back in the day. Someone talked about, you know, it was Susie Orman, Dr. Susie Orman. Oh, or one of the, okay, yeah. came in. Yeah. And he said, if you just make coffee at home, how much you would save. And I'm on the run a lot. When I get to an airport, another uh, fascinating topic for another podcast is the line at a pod, uh, at a Starbucks. I can get to an airport <laughs> at 520 in the morning for a seven o'clock flight. And you still, nervous. the line's a mile long. The line is a mile long. <laughs> I could land at six o'clock in Oakland <laughs> from Vegas and want a coffee to get my night going. And the line is too long. And the markup at the airport is incredible. But, you know, to wrap up that po- portion on the co- a coffee house, I think it's very important to understand that people that go there expect an experience. I do. And I, my experience is different. I want quiet. I don't go to a coffee house to watch people pretend that they're writing a movie script. Or to hear two ladies in the back cackling, as Howard would say, two yentas who are louder than the entire coffee shop talking loud. I don't want to see people making noise or looking down on their phone. I go to coffee houses to get a quick cup of coffee and then quickly get out of there. And if the experience is fast, that's the key to the tip at the coffee house. If it's quick, if it's fast, if it's pleasant, you're going to get a nice tip. But if there's a long, long line and the service is slow and it's loud and it's not a good experience, but you're addicted to getting your Starbucks coffee every day, I don't think you have to leave a massive tip other than the change in your pocket or the change you get back from your coffee. Well, you need to leave at least a dollar tip if you're going to sit there and write your screenplay. Because obviously you just (laughs) – with with that little speech you gave, you are not a coffee house guy. 
uh, coffee houses have people playing guitar. They have people doing stand-up comedy. They have people reading poetry. It's a real experience that has noise, lots of conversation. It's not a quiet place generally, JT. Many times a lot of coffee houses aren't because I owned one, a very popular one. And you've got, and it's, but if you're if you're going to sit there and write your screenplay, and in Los Angeles, you are not a writer unless people see you writing. You've got to do it down at the coffee house and not in your living room in the quiet where you should be writing. But nevertheless, uh, I, I see you've obviously never been a, a big coffee house guy over the years. And, and even though I owned one, I'm, I'm amazed at you know people socializing and standing in line at a coffee house for a lot of people is part of it. For you and I, you and I were both sultans in another life. We, we don't want to wait in lines. We will pay more to go to a place that has no line. I've always been like that, even when I made minimum wage. I did not want to stand in line, and I'll pay more not to have to stand in line. And of all the grand conspiracies I believe in, I, I don't believe, as you know, I'm not a big conspiracy guy. I don't believe in grand conspiracies, but I do believe in one. And that is that they, <laughs> the famous they, are training us in America to get used to standing in line. You know, you go to the movie theater and they've got eight booths, but one person working right? and it's on a busy Saturday night or they've got eight little microphone booths, but only two people working and you get there just in time and you realize, oh, I didn't I didn't adjust for having to stand in line. So in order to you know, it used to be our time was precious in America and, and the customer's time was precious. And then as all of a sudden something changed and the stock price of the grocery store or the movie theater or the Starbucks was more important than our time. And now we're just being trained to get used to standing in line wherever we go. That's the number one conspiracy I believe in. Let me give you a couple more rapid fire from all the people I've interviewed for this tipping podcast. Here's one on bottle service. Big thing in Las Vegas. Right. And explain and exactly a... what that is for those listening who've never been to Vegas. Yeah, they've come up with a concept well over a decade ago that now they charge you for a bottle that you could get at a discount liquor store for $18, under $20. They'll charge you five, six, seven hundred $700 at a nightclub in Vegas, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago. It's called bottle service. It's huge in Vegas. It drives a lot of the nightlife entertainment and the three or four people that I talked to in that industry said different things. Some have said the bill is so big. If you get three or four bottles, if you're spending up to four or $5,000 on bottles and they're just bringing it to you, there's a gratuity fee put in that already. There is an 18% charge oh, or a 16% okay. charge already on the bill and the bottles. You don't have to tip a penny or if it's three, four, five $5,000, you can tip a hundred or 200 at the end of the night to the server on the bottle service because of the markup the entire time. Another one would be sports books. What's big out in Vegas is video poker. So if you're playing video poker and you're feeding $20 bills into a machine and then boom, you hit a Royal and you win two, three, $4,000. Common courtesy is you have to tip 10% of your winnings to the server, the bartender, the person who's been working oh, wow. and serving you. Yeah, 10% of your winnings. So there are people winning big money sitting in front of video poker machines. So if I win $4,000, I remember sitting in Vegas once. I was there for a fight. I was sitting with Rich Murata, his wife, and a couple of the guys, and we were drinking. I was playing video poker and cleaning up. Not cleaning up getting royal flushes, but I know I did really well. 
So at the end of that, let's say I won $400. I should have given 40 to the bartender. Absolutely. On top okay. of the service for the drinks and the food and everything else, but on a big winning, another individual told me if you're feeding the machine all night and I said, clarity, please. Well, if you keep going back to the ATM and you keep going back and you're taking out two, $300 and you're not winning at the end, you have to calculate how many times or how many times you had to go in your pocket to feed the machine. And maybe you can tip a little bit less than the common 10%, but the okay. best tippers, Tom, the best tippers overall from everybody I talked to was obviously the servers, the people in the industry as oh we started God, off the yeah. podcast, yep. the waiters, the servers, the bartenders, when they go out, they fund Las Vegas and the big cities and every town. When you get off of your shift and you're a bartender or a server and you go to another establishment to wind down, you take that first 20 out and you leave it at the bar before you begin, that you're tipping in advance. You're giving 20 to say that I would like you to come to my bar and my establishment to keep the money in circulation in the industry. Mm -hmm. I find that really cool. I think that the industry props itself up and keeps it floating because so many of these servers and bartenders they take care of each other. That's good to know. Oh, if any, if we had a mandatory service in this country, not military service, but public service, where you had to work with the general public, no matter what your background was, and you had to work at a Starbucks or a grocery store or as a bartender or in the restaurant industry, we'd all be such much nicer people. It'd be a much nicer culture. If people, when people have done that job or if people do that job, yeah, they're completely uh, different. You know, they're much more well-behaved. I always joke about, you know, I'm loud. I'm fun when I go out and, and I, I like to misbehave in a fun way. I always have in life. However, uh, one of the places I'm always my, my best on my best behavior. I'm like Gandhi to wait on, as you know, I'm a chatty Gandhi. And I learned the name of the servers. I have at times Doris and uh, Hector, and Juan from Taylor's Steakhouse, I have had to my house and served them food. So I, I like to you know, cross boundaries. And I know, I know you haven't gone that far, but you're a lot of fun when you are at a restaurant. Well, I'll tell you this, and I think you've been with me well over 100 times. Yep. I'm one of the only people on planet Earth, and I would like a couple oh, of people to join me on this topic. I like this. You don't look at I'm a menu. I'm one of the only people on yeah. planet Earth that doesn't look at a menu. Yeah. And here's why. If I go to a steakhouse, I'm ordering a steak. <laughs> when I go Italian, I'm going to order chicken parm. Mm -hmm. When I go to my favorite diner, I'm a big diner guy. Still, if I'm going to go have eggs, I know they have eggs. <laughs> there's usually a picture of an egg when I walk this into my diner. So logical. Yeah, yeah, it's called broken yolk or egg works. Yeah. So I don't have to ask the server in the beginning. The server is going to get a 20% tip from me no matter what. And I don't need a menu because I know how to order wheat toast. I know how to order my eggs and I know how to order my potatoes or hash brown. So I don't need to see a menu. And I'm fascinated when I take people out for breakfast and a server comes and over and hands us menu. a menu. Immediately, my blood pressure goes up. I get angry because I know that person, not that we have to order. I'm not in a rush. We can have a conversation, but I don't think in certain restaurants, you need to look at a menu. You could listen to the server who says, can I please tell you about the specials tonight? 
absolutely there's a lobster bisque there's a risotto there's a certain <laughs> type of salmon i want to hear all that and i might order it but i don't need to look at a menu a menu has oh. never driven me to order anything in my entire life that's such a logic it's two things this reminds me of first of all when i was a little boy growing up in elmira new york well a teenage boy i would drive out to grubba's house grubba the prison guard i always talk about grubba the prison guard his dad was a prison guard there were two prisons in elmira everybody was a prison guard i would pull up to his house and he lived on the outskirts of town in an incredibly safe area, which is every area of Elmira anyway. And I would get out of my car and I would leave the car door open and I would go into his house. And his dad would say, you left your car door open. And I would say to his dad, I have to get back in. <laughs> I would just leave my car. It's the same thing with you. What do I have to shut it for? <clears throat> and one other thing, when it comes to uh, uh, tipping and looking at menus, not tipping, but looking at menus, you and I, were i believe in seattle we went to chambers bay to uh to see the u.s open a few years ago and we went to a, well, out for a steak with you me and our executive producer aaron larsoul who now hosts the laker podcast and i was chatting it up with the waiter and i caught you out of the corner of my eye elbowing aaron <laughs> because because there i was one of your pet peeves chatting it up with the waiter asking questions about a filet mignon and asking way too many questions about steak at a steakhouse your pet peeve can i give you one more pet peeve in a restaurant please sure i never once have ever asked anyone especially my wife what are you having what looks good what do you think right. that's not me don't <laughs> ask me what i'm about see when the conversation slows and i talk for a living and you talk for a living the conversation should never slow exactly. so even if it's an uncomfortable moment there are strangers there at no point have i ever do i have i ever recalled saying what are you having? What looks good? Because I have no interest in what you're having. I'm going to order my food. I'm not ordering your food. Now, if someone's ordering for the table, which is another big thing, I know I'm bringing this back to Vegas, or if you're in New York and people are ordering family style, or another thing that I think I do right is if I'm with someone who's a chef or a server, or they work at a restaurant, I'll let them order the appetizers. I'll let them order for the table because they are experts. I'm not. Don't step over your boundaries by letting the people who are professionals uh, not do their work. Let them order for the table. Let them start the conversation off. Even if you're going to split the bill, even if you're going to pay for the bill, let someone in the industry take charge because they know what's great about that restaurant. Time. And I think the podcast is probably long enough right now, but let's put a bow on this by giving this advice on tipping when it's two couples. You can see you got two couples there and one couple gets a glass of wine each and the other couple gets a Coke and Cokes are $1.25 and the glass of wine is $8.25. Just split the bill. If you're splitting the bill and you know that you're splitting the bill anyway, don't say, well, you got wine and we got a Coke. So we shouldn't, have, you know, let's figure that out. No, just split the bill. 50-50 is couples. If one party drank and the other stayed sober, split the bill. Don't nickel and dime your friends. One more I have for you, too. At the end, the most important job for a server, if the experience was good, and this is really good, and someone told me this uh, earlier today, that if you're going to get the bill, the most important thing for some is the speed of the bill. When you're a server and that meal is done and the table wants their check, 
you get it to them as quickly oh as you can. You're right. Because your tip would go up at that moment. If it takes time, if you're not focused, if you're constantly looking at your other tables, if you're going to wait and you're going to say, I'll be right back and you go to another table and take an order for 12 people, that tip could go down significantly. I didn't get that. I don't pay attention that closely. But when you're a server and you're there, there are a lot of people at the end of the meal, maybe because they went too long. Maybe it wasn't a great experience. They want that check, Tom Looney. Get them the check because your tip will go up if you're faster in turning the bill around. Your, your tip will also go up if you leave them alone. Know when to, pull, know when to stop by and know when to keep going. If you're getting, if, I'm going to wrap it up with this. I'm going to okay. wrap it up with this. The man, the Guinness Book of World Record holder for math, for speed math, is our friend, the human calculator, Scott Glansberg. And he just taught me. He said, JT, whatever it is, because he can calculate math quicker than anyone in the world. Numbers. He can like add he, and he subtract told him numbers. 97 times 42, he'd have the answer instantly. Yeah, or you could take uh, 88 and divide it by 22 and just keep hitting equal and he will get to that number quicker than you faster than you he's been on jay leno howard stern oprah he's legendary go look for him the human calculator and he just taught me take the first two numbers and double it and that's been working with me and it comes down to 20 percent. tom give 20 percent. if it goes up from there you're very generous you're doing the right thing if it goes down from there it should probably only be because of bad service and a, and a non-pleasant experience, but I believe the 20% factor going forward, if everybody can do that, I think the world would run much smoother. And no joking about the tip. Just leave it. The JT and Looney podcast is property of JT and Looney. Any rebroadcast of JT and Looney without the express written consent of JT, Looney, and LeBron James is absolutely prohibited. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.